Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome to the Progressive Britain Podcast Extra Show, where we cover some of the biggest issues in politics this week. I'm host Connor Pope, and I'm joined by my colleague, Stephanie Lloyd. Universal credit, probably the big political story of the later part of this week. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, it was. We, um, we, we've seen a number of uh, big Tories, um, John Major, Ian Duncan Smith, even Estimate Vey, the minister responsible for universal credit, all kind of come around to the opinion that perhaps not everything is completely right with this major reform of welfare system in this country. What you currently can't see is that I basically have my head on the microphone <laughs> in total despair at the state of this government. Yeah, I mean, remar- I mean, truly remarkable in terms of them coming out and saying this just isn't going to work. And you know, we had what was it? Our second podcast, Connor. It You'll was, remember yeah, yeah. our second podcast talking about universal credit and its flaws, and obviously the wonderful Kath McKinnell talking about it was obviously it was in her constituency where one of the pilots took place, and she was highlighting all of these issues way back then. Like mm. this is none of this is new, and I think the truly scary thing about this is is I don't know what it is going to take to stop them because, I mean, how many more people have to come out and say, these are the problems, these are the flaws, and these are the these are the real impacts this is having on people's lives day to day. You know, what was it, £200 poorer a week for families and things? I mean, that's just the kind of money that people can't miss. It's just... It's just not. It's just not an option for people, and the damage this is going to cause. Um, and obviously, John McDonnell was on uh, the Sunday programs talking about it um, and how Labour would. And I think to be fair, he said at this stage, you know, we we spoke about trying to reform it earlier in the year, and and trying to make a, the kind of best effort of, of this and how far it had gone down the line. But it is looking at the point now where scrapping does seem like the only option, and stopping this in terms of being able to protect people and their their families and their ability to feed themselves and, and have basic necessity. I think that was the point, if I remember rightly, it was exactly a year ago, it was mm. episode two of the podcast when we had Kat McKillen on. I think that was the point she made. She was like, I'm not talking about scrapping it, I'm just talking about pausing the rollout of it because there are lots of problems that need ironing out. And when you have problems that need ironing out in a welfare reform, what that means is people who really need money in their pockets having less money in their pockets. Yeah. We'll put a link to that podcast underneath this one. It really is worth going back and having listened to it, given uh, the context of this week's stories. 
But John Major came out and he said that the blowback could be on the same kind of level as public reaction to the poll tax, given that he basically was only prime minister because of the poll tax and he was the person then who scrapped it. That is a pretty big intervention. And then Ian Duncan Smith, who you know was in charge of the initial rollout of universal credit, said that basically £2 billion had been taken out of the welfare system and that needed putting back into the welfare system for it to work. And we know they won't do that. They will not put £2 billion back into that system. So It's this complete joke that Theresa May has that she says that austerity is ending, but we know that she basically can't make that call because she won't be around for long enough. No. And we know that definitely the budget won't make any sort of major funding commitments of that level because it's less than six months until Brexit is due to happen and you don't know what the state of the economy is going to be like in six months. So they're not going to risk that. Um, but at the same time, it does feel like this rebellion against it is really starting to um, get much bigger on the Tory backbenches. And that basically does leave them with only one option, which is to stop it. I know the Mirror is running um, a campaign about stopping it. Um, you should definitely put your name to that. We'll put a link to that under the show um, after Gordon Brown wrote that brilliant piece this weekend. But fundamentally, there doesn't seem to be another option here, does there? There just, there just doesn't seem to be another option. The, the thing that I find, as I say, the thing that I find quite scary is I can't see a situation where that's what she decides to do. Mm. And mostly because she's kind of built her tenure around this idea that she doesn't really roll back on things. And it's almost that kind of weird that's right way of like this lady's not for turning like yeah, it's this yeah. idea that like once she has made her mind up that is what they will do and they feel so precarious in so many situations and so many policy areas particularly in terms of just even you know and everything kind of centers around brexit and roots behind that in that sense of of her inability to be able to bring people with her to you know listen to those concerns and amend and, and change what they're doing in that sense and they seem so gung-ho about going forward with all these kind of you know, very large scale reforms, but actually we're seeing the damage that that has. And, and none of this, and the thing that's scary about this, right, is none of this is theoretical. Like this isn't, or what could possibly the hypothetical impact mm. of this be? This is people who cannot afford to feed themselves, have a roof over their head and, and put their heating bills on as it's now getting bloody unnecessarily cold again, although delighted in many ways i was not a fan of the heat wave but <laughs> it is a really serious thing of like this is this isn't a situation where people are like oh well you know we just won't be able to have that extra third holiday this year it's like no these are situations where people won't be able to to get you know they'll be relying on food banks more than they already are or struggling to pay their rent and ending up in really precarious situations and it has to be the point where she has to the right thing, the only right thing that she can do is pause this and stop the damage that it will cause people. My fear is that she won't. What also happened about a year ago, as, as well as that um, episode that we did on Universal Credit, was um, the start of the Me Too movement. I know that you wanted to, the, the, the kind of other subject that you wanted to cover uh, today was... Sexism in general. Yeah. <laughs> is that, oh, it's still there, still isn't there, it? Yeah. still there. Yeah, I think, you know, I think there was a fantastic article. We'll put a link to this one as well underneath from Aisha Hazarika, a good friend of the podcast, in her Evening Standard column this week, where she basically spoke about the idea that it's been, it's been a year, it's been, you know, just over a year since Me Too now and the kind of explosion that that had publicly um, and from such seniority um, in terms of the kind of celebrity status that it had. And it really did slam into everybody's consciousness in a way that it hadn't to a lot of people beforehand and, and the kind of questions that that raised. But the problem is that the, the, the kind of 
the, the sad thing about it is it did give, and I was certainly one of the, it gave us a real sense of hope of maybe now is the time that something will change. And, uh, you know, for anybody who has watched everything that's happened in America to the Supreme Court in terms of Brett Kavanaugh and his appointment and his confirmation uh, this week, all the way through to a story that really exploded yesterday around uh, the Metropolitan Police telling women that they shouldn't wear headphones because that will stop them from being assaulted. Um, It does just feel like the kind of war on women and that kind of real backlash against the Me Too movement really is kicking in in that sense. And yeah, it's been a it's been a difficult time, I think, for a lot of people in terms of watching how this plays out and the same old kind of tropes that that come out around all of these things. Um, I, for one, have certainly found it very difficult to watch a lot of that. Um, I think Dr. Ford is one of the bravest women uh, we will ever know. And the fact that she had to go through that is terrifying. But also the, you know, the fact that still he will be a Supreme Court judge, the level of partisanship he said in terms of his cross-examination, his interviews for his confirmation are terrifying. And I think particularly when you look at the political context in America around lots of social justice issues, whether that be things like gay marriage, whether that be abortion uh, and women's right to control their own bodies. He certainly doesn't believe in that in any way, shape or form and has made it very clear that is what he will try and remove. So it is, it is, it, I mean, God, this sounds bloody, this is a cheerful podcast, this one is. This will brighten up your Friday, ready for the weekend. But it is, it is at that point now where it's like, what, what is it that the kind of women's movement must do in order to counteract that kind of backlash in the way that yeah. it happens? So the, I'd missed the headphone story. Yeah. So it was the Metropolitan Police that. Yeah. Did so this. it's police issued guidance that it was basically, there's been basically a series of very serious sexual assaults that happened uh, in a particular area of London over the last couple of months. And they caught the person that they believed to have done it. Mm. But one of the kind of guidances that they gave out in, in the guise of personal safety advice is don't wear your headphones because you won't know what's, you know, you won't know mm. the man that's coming up behind you. And the thing that's really difficult with this, right? And I I have spent some time working for a personal safety charity and it is very, very difficult to try and square the circle between what is a level of personal responsibility that anybody has in order to keep themselves safe in the reality of the world that we live in. But also then as what are the messages that you are sending to people in terms of where there is blame and what is the problem? And it isn't headphones. It's not short skirts. It's not being out late at night or being on your own that leads to you being assaulted. It is somebody choosing to do that to you. And the really dangerous thing about this, and it was actually where there was a huge amount of, it started, you know, it started in the seventies when there was the Yorkshire Ripper case where basically police put a curfew on women and said like, don't go outside when it's, when it's night, like just don't go outside. And the problem is, is you put the onus on the victim to try and stop themselves from being the victim. Whereas actually in no other crime, do we really do that? It's about really saying to the perpetrator, this is utterly unacceptable. This is not the behaviour that you should have. Stop assaulting women, not women stop wearing your headphones. And actually, you know, I'm someone who wears them in lots of senses. One, because, you know, I'm unnecessarily obsessed with headphones. I spend a fortune on them. But, you know, I also wear it to protect myself from a low level level of kind of street harassment that happens Mm. all the time. I mean, you've kind of got your headphones in, you can put your head down and kind of ignore it or try to. 
that you can't do necessarily in the other sense of it. And actually that was where lots of Reclaim the Night marches came from. If you've not heard of them before, it was, it was out of that kind of sense of injustice towards the advice towards women to change their behavior and not towards the perpetrator. Um, that led to a spate of demonstrations all across the UK and, and the world in terms of women reclaiming spaces and, and, and their way to kind of, you know, their ability to walk at night and do whatever and wear whatever they want to wear. And that no matter what happens, the, the only person that is at fault, if there is any form of harassment or assault, is the perpetrator, perpetrator of that assault. And, you know, it is shocking and shameful in 2018 that that is the situation we still find ourselves in. And there's a huge amount of education and campaigning that needs to happen to ensure that that isn't still the situation that, that we are in. But yeah, it literally enraged me yesterday. Um when I was, when I saw, when I kind of yeah. saw the story kicking about, it just exploded on my, on my Twitter timeline. Um, probably in slightly different circles, Connor, <laughs> you know, me and my wonderful bunch of, uh, of militant feminists in that sense. But yeah, I think it's been a pretty depressing week for women in that sense, but I take such unbelievable strength from women like Dr. Ford and, and those others that have come forward and, and people all across the Me Too and, and Labour Too movement in that sense, much closer to home for their ability and courage to stand up and speak out and fight every single day to try and to try and make it better. You mentioned at the beginning of this section, um, Aisha Hazarika's column in the Evening Standard. Total hero. Uh, me and you are going to see her live in a couple of weeks. We are. I'm buzzing. I can't wait. Um, so if anyone is, uh, is also going to the gig um, in London on October the 29th, I think it is. It's yeah, a Friday. the Friday. Friday night. We, we, we know how to spend our Friday nights. <laughs> Drop us an email. We'll, uh, we'll get a drink at the bar. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, finally, uh, every week, ask a political pub quiz question. Oh, actually, no. One other thing on that: oh. we've been given Hello. some exclusive, some exclusive codes for our listeners for Aisha's show. Have we? If people want to access it, Connor doesn't even know. No, I'm that far ahead of the time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I so if you're yesterday. well, indeed. So if you're not signed up to the daily email, get yourself signed up to it because you'll get your exclusive uh, discount codes for Aisha's show. Yeah. absolute hero fantastic I had no idea about that but I'll make sure <laughs> I'll make sure they're on Friday's uh, email absolutely yeah sign yourself up perfect yeah sorry the every week I ask a political pub quiz question this week I was asking what is the world's oldest Sunday newspaper did you uh, did you get this one before I told you before we started recording not before you told me but I do know it now <laughs> it's the observer is the uh, is the oldest Thanks. Sunday newspaper in the world lol boycott <laughs> um, I love that you literally set that up just so that one of us could make the joke yeah absolutely I, <laughs> this, is why I, this is why I respect you Connor my, my Sunday afternoon I, I kind of went on there I was reading a book I went on Twitter for about two minutes and saw that everyone uh, kind of left of centre on Twitter was having an argument about whether or not the Observer should have run a front page covering Theresa May the Prime Minister and I was like I'm probably just going to go back to my book <laughs> Leave that one. That's Sunday afternoon. Leave that little I... hot potato there. <laughs> How dare they? I mean, I can't stand her, but the woman is the prime minister. Um, anyway, the Progressive Britain podcast will be back on Tuesday. Uh, please do send us any comments or questions that you have. Leave a review on iTunes, and please don't forget to subscribe and rate. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Progressive Britain podcast with Connor Pope and Richard Angel. The music is When in the West by Blue Dot Sessions, licensed under Creative Commons. And this episode was produced by Carolyn Crampton. Mm-hmm.